welcome, Jory. Thank you. It's good to be here. Welcome to another episode of Hacker Bio. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about uh, technologists and developers in our industry, uh, the motivations behind what we do, and learn a thing or two about how you got started and how uh, you got successful in this industry, and hopefully share a lesson or two back to our audience. Uh, so, Jory, on to you. I would love for you to give us a quick intro about yourself and uh, tell us what you do. Sure. So, um, hello, my name is Jory Burson. Um, I live in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, I work on a number of different standards um, initiatives for Boku, uh, and I'm a consultant and educator for Boku Education. Um, I spend a lot of my time working on projects related to improving standards and documentation for uh, open source developers and for also open standards uh, consumers. Um, I'm on the ECMA International Executive Committee. Um, I am on the JS Foundation Technical Architecture Committee. Um, I am the vice chair of TC53, and I work on a lot of projects for WPT, which is Web Platform Tests, and TC39. Um, and oh, this is cool! Uh, I am I'm going to start working uh, uh, for uh, MDN uh, Product Advisory Board. Um, that that was just announced uh, yesterday, and that's pretty exciting. So nice! Congrats! Thanks. You threw a lot of acronyms out there. I'm not sure if everybody knows what TC is and TC39 and 53. Do you want to give us a quick, uh, what's each of those mean? Sure. So um, we can be the worst about acronyms in this industry. It's actually one of the things that makes it really hard to understand what's going on. And so I appreciate being called out on, a, on that. Um, TC stands for Technical Committee. And um, technical committees uh, are sometimes also called um, they can be called working groups or community groups in the W3C, uh, which is the World Wide Web Consortium, um, but uh, or they could be called technical steering committees or technical advisory councils or whatever you want to call it. But it's essentially the the, the group of people who are um, developing a technical specification, either for the purpose of be making that a standard one day or just sort of resolving issues or um, whatever. <laughs> No, I think that's super important to highlight because, uh, you know, it's essentially you're the ones um, standardizing the technology platforms that we're all dependent on and working in, in our industry and our livelihood depends on. Uh, so it's, it's super important to actually highlight that and, and spread the message about those things. Uh, but yeah, to your point, like the acronyms don't always uh, help highlight the importance of, well, what does TC3039 mean? Well, it's JavaScript. It's it's all of JavaScript. So if you're not familiar with that, that's where it is. Um, and the ECMA Foundation is where all these standards at least start with. So if you're working on the web or on the web platform in any way, like those committees really matter to you. Um, okay. So you know what does that mean? You're you're part of those committees. You're leading those those committees in some areas, or at least you're contributing to some of them. You know what does that mean to you? And and where's that? How did you start getting into it? So um, I'll start with like how I kind of discovered this, I suppose. Um, you know, I joined Boku in 2011, 2012. Um, and one of, the, I, I joined to start working on our developer um, community um, initiatives and also um, in education. And one of the things that we did was we did a couple of things. We hosted the um, the CouchDB like maintainer summit summit like, and these people from you know Berlin and like Jan and then folks from Seattle like people were like flying in to come come just crash in our event space at Boku and just talk about stuff for three days. And um, I didn't have any idea what that project was or what was going on. I was just sort of like, sure, you know, like you can come, that's fine. Um, but I had the opportunity to like watch those proceedings and, and sort of go, well, what, what, what is so important that is bringing all of these people to my space to like talk for three days. Um, and, you know, from there I, I started thinking about like how it is that people um, make technology together. Um, we then hosted a, a technical architecture uh, committee from the, from the W3C, the, um, 
that you may see at the uh, a tag, sorry, technical architecture group, um, the W3C tag uh, was having a meeting and we hosted um, a panel for a, the JavaScript meetup here in Boston. And, um, you know, that was just another, and they had their meetings at our office uh, as well. And that was just another sort of um, thing that put me like front and center of these these groups that were making really big decisions about um, the way things are going to work, and um, I just started thinking about you know how does how how do these group how does this group of people convene like what what legitimizes them like what what um, draws them together and leads them to a decision making process that results in like the following things happening not just for them but for like everybody um and it it blew my mind so uh, I just sort of started falling down this rabbit hole of asking a lot of questions about what was going on. Um, you know, somebody tweeted the other day, they were like, well, half of getting to where you are is just showing up. And I think that's that's true. But the other half is just being like super curious about, you know, what's going on. And I asked everybody. I asked Rick Waldron and Alex Russell and, you know, Brian Cardell and like all of these people that were, um, you know, participating in these processes, like, what are, what are you doing? What's going on? How is, why is this happening? <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Um, and it was just, it was a very, you know, uh, rewarding, like intellectual, you know, um, uh, thing to, to start exploring and researching. And then at a certain point, you just, you go a little bit too far and then you're like, okay, I'm like super into this. And so, um, the rest was sort of, sort of history, but I think, um, what ultimately makes it, um, important is, is again, like these are this, these groups, um, these technical steering groups, um, are, are comprised of some of the smartest, you know, technologists and engineers, and, um, they know so much about, you know, their technologies and, um, what, what ultimately, ought to work. Um, and the impact of their decisions is like really, really big. Um, they, they, it impacts, you know, everybody out there trying to build a web application or, you know, a website or maintain one or learn one. Um, or use one. Or use one. Yeah, exactly. And, and, um, you know, I, I, Technology is socially constructed, and so you know, if, if we think about it that way, it's really important to consider um, human and social elements as as we as we make technical decisions. and And that was sort of what I felt called to try and bring to the conversation, and what why after I showed up and started asking questions, I decided to stick around. <laughs> That's good. I mean, there's something to highlight there that you know. Like you said, there's a lot of smart people doing this and yourself included, like leading a lot of those activities. Um, but this is not your job, right? Like you're not paid to do this. And in fact, all of these groups, you know, most of them, if not all of them, are not a paid uh, you know, interaction or uh, an activity that a lot of people are doing. So you're doing this as a volunteer. You're doing this, um, you know, because you're interested in it, because you find value in it, right? Um, so the, the question I want to ask in that context is why? Um, I think it's easy enough enough for us to, you know, find something interesting and chase it. But, you know, why is it important that we do that? And why is that something that you're willing to spend so much of your time on? Because I can imagine this is not just a hour a week type of thing. Um, why do you spend so much time being part of these things and, and you know, personally uh, being involved in them? Um, I think the answer to that is because I know that there's a very there's there's a long tail of um impact that you know a decision made today will have especially on the web um and we're the 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 pace of technological change is speeding up speeding up speeding up all the time and we're not necessarily bringing um non technical thinking into um into the decision making about 
you know, a technical standard. Like we're not, we're not necessarily doing a great job. Actually, I'll just strike that. We aren't doing a great job considering things like policy, ethics, you know, um, impact for the next 15 or 20 years, because that's how long that decision is going to stick with us in most, in many cases. Um, and I don't want to, you know, I, I see the impact of past technical decisions and the debt that that's created and what we've been trying to overcome as a result of that. There's a big part of me that's called to be part of, like, that I, I feel very compelled to be part of the solution for cleaning some of that up. You know, we've got uh, a, a lot of um, technology and applications and, like, frameworks and things like that that are no longer maintained, they're no longer supported, and they're a giant liability for the platform. Um, how do we how do we solve that problem and how do we um, start to ask questions and create processes that ask the right questions to maybe help pre prevent some of that you know from from um, it being exacerbated in, in the future so you know I I'm an organizer like I like to you know um, try and organize things and make make things um connect in a way and um that that's sort of the that's the thing I'm chasing that's the th that's what I'm chasing in a nutshell and it happens to be that it's you know it's uh it's via web standards and 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 the web platform um which has had just a huge impact on my life um I can't you know I that and probably all of us who are listening are like, oh, yeah. yeah. Get my well, yeah, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's also our livelihood at the end of the day, right? Like if we're all working in this industry and we rely on these kind of um, bodies of humans to, to drive the evolution of the technology, then it's definitely a direct impact to all of us. And, you know, personally as well, like you said, like if, you, if nobody's paying attention to it, nobody's looking at improving the, the systems, the platforms, then... We're all going to be paying that price anyways. Um, so the interesting part to me in that, all of that is, you know, there's there's an aspect of education as well. So this is not just, you know, a bunch of uh, people going on top of the mountain, coming back with a bunch of tablets and like, thou shall do X, Y, and Z, right? So a lot of it, like you said, is is community-driven. There's a lot of feedback and education and, and, and at least, you know, You've mentioned already, like, or at least you've told me that you, you focus a lot on education and like, you know, your, your, how you jo joined Baku was initially just to focus on that and building that not tribe of knowledge for the company and for the community. So I don't know if you want to tell us more about like how you approach those aspects of how do you share knowledge? How do you scale knowledge? How do you get feedback in, in a productive way? And, you know, eventually lead that to a conversation around how do we evolve the technologies and the platforms that we're working on? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's, um, that's a great question. So um, I'll start with like, how do I approach, uh, approach knowledge? One thing that I realized when I first came to Boku, um, first off, I'll, I, I want to share with everybody that I'm pretty much self taught, like I didn't go I have a I have a degree in journalism, you know, like in mass communication, that's where my background came from. And I only started this. <laughs> because there were, well, actually there's two things. Like one, I wanted to, um, there was like a game on, uh, online in like 96 or 97 that was like, like horses where, cause I'm kind of a, from an agriculture community and we, we would, I would play this like uh game about like showing horses with like, you had these images that, that of horses and you pro you made like a little web page about the show horses. It's like super dumb. It was one of those kid. flash games. Yeah. Or... Yeah. It was like really not, it was not good, but um, it would be like 110 degrees in the middle of the day. And so, you know, I would come inside and play this game and that's how I learned HTML and CSS. <laughs> and so, um, so uh, anyway, I, um, and then, kind of fast forward through college and I did a bunch of other stuff and learned more things and, you know, but it was all in sort of pursuit of, um, of some other objective, like learning HTML and CSS and JavaScript and web technologies was not my objective. My objective was to tell a story or win a game or, you know, build a thing, a blog or, you know, whatever. Um, and when I, uh, kind of looked up and, and realized what was kind of going on in the actual 
um, web developer world around me, it was a lot of things focused on uh, just skill acquisition. Like, you know, here's a tutorial and it is going to teach you, you know, um, exactly how to do how to build a thing, but it's not necessarily going to teach you why. It's not going to give you context. Um, and I think context is uh, very critical for like long-term retainment of, of knowledge. Um, the other thing that I noticed was that there wasn't a lot of effort going into um, creating um, something um, sticky that would help you kind of cap capture your attention and focus you on uh, on a learning objective. So we did a lot of um, public and private training classes um, at, at Boku Education early on that were uh, just largely getting up and lecturing for, you know, a couple hours about, you know, jQuery internals, which... Um, you know, for somebody like me, that's, that's not exactly the best, you know, um, learning environment, you know, that, that you get kind of, it gets kind of dry after a while and you're not really, it's hard to stay focused. And so, you know, um, I think, um, one of the, the things that we did, uh, and that, that we are continuing to do with, um, sort of revamped Boku education is focus more on providing context, providing storytelling around the, um, learning, the technical learning objectives and adding in, um, other, <laughs> other things beyond, um, technical skills that will help make that, that, um, that, that concept more, um, more sticky and um, also hopefully make the individual feel like they've learned not just a technical skill to improve their um, improve their position at work, but also a, a, maybe a softer social skill that um, helps them communicate about it more. So now that they've learned the thing, they actually can talk about what they've learned in in a contextualized way. So um, that I think is is absolutely. Uh, critical, especially as it, um, it pertains to sort of like uh, the future, because there's now so much that one person can't know everything about web development. It's not it's not possible for one person to be an expert in everything, and um, and so it's not important at all. I would say this to anybody who's like just getting started and listening to this: don't worry about memorizing the language. Like, don't. But do think about, you know, why why does it behave this way? Like, what were the objectives? Like, why why um, why might this feature have been added? And um, you know, uh, and that kind of thing. Think about the context, and that will help you, you know, um, remember the details. So you mentioned you, you you mentioned how you got started. I, wa I was going to ask you that next, but you kind of already jumped into it. I think it's important, especially in the context of what you just said. Um, so you know you kind of were self-taught with some you know HTML and some interesting gaming online. Um, <laughs> but then you you mentioned you went to university. I want to know what, like what your journey was in terms of you know uh, going from this is interesting to you know my, your first gig or your first job in it. And and the point I want to surface there is like you know, how effective was that education and actually helping you get to where you are? Because as you said, um, a lot of it ends up focusing on the what, not so much the why or the, you know, or the what and the how, but not so much on the why and putting a context into it. So, mm -hmm. you know, I myself are self-taught. I never went to computer science university, any of that stuff. Um, so it's always intriguing to me to hear from other people who did do that or part of that and and also to share back especially in today's context where we have a lot of people doing code schools and code academies and all these things uh, it's a completely alternative path to learning nowadays so I don't mm -hmm. know what was your journey like what did you go through and and then we can go from there sure so uh, I told you my weird little game that I played and I was probably you know 15 14 15 I couldn't drive yet um so I was stuck on the farm in the middle of the day in rural Oklahoma where it was a hundred and some odd degrees. So, um, it was, that was an, ex an escape and just something to sort of like occupy my time. And, and it was fun. And, and, but I just, I think at that point it was just an entertainment thing. Like it wasn't something to take seriously. Um, and I went to, um, I kind of grew up a little bit, um, in, high school, I got a job at a, um, 
a magazine called Speed Horse Magazine. We published um, race quarter horse racing materials, um, you know, race results and auction results and just nerdy stuff like that. Um, and we had a website that, um, you know, I would have to, I was editorial assistant, so I had to update stuff on the website and, you know, that kind of just sort of got me thinking more about technology as not like something important in and of itself, but sort of this means to an end. And then I went to college and, um, (laughs) I had met right before the summer before I went, um, I met some folks who were like, we're going to do a student web portal for our university. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but let's do it. You know, sure. Why not? And, um, I got to school that fall and it was like me and this guy, Jeff Clark and Derek Martin and and some other just folks who are now now spread a- across the country, and they're still like some of my dearest friends. Um, Laura Nielsen, she was works for on the Chrome team. Um, so um, I we the idea was they wanted to do like a, a, a an open source. They wanted to use this open source um, CMS platform for like uh, to, to give students access to their email off campus, which was a huge deal. Like we couldn't, at that point you couldn't do it. Um, and also provide like a place for people to like see what was in the cafeterias for lunch that day. And like information about the students just sort of like kind of be the place. And it was called u.okstate.edu. And, um, we were like a little, a little startup, um, that I didn't understand what that was at the time. We were just sort of, I was like 18. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know? So, um, I'm also 35 and I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. So there's that. Um, so <laughs> we just kind of, <laughs> yeah, so, uh, we just kind of, um, we're we're experimenting and figuring stuff out and and it worked it somehow all worked um I blogged on it every day um just sort of telling my story as a freshman at Oklahoma State and we um we we built blogging tools for students on that platform and it was really successful it was so successful that the university was like wow you're doing this better than we are and so they took our service uh, servers and shut us down <laughs> so <laughs> um so that was kind of like my first um experience um working at sort of like a web company even though I didn't know that's what I was doing um and then I was a journalism major so I spent um in journalism and broadcasting so I spent a lot of my uh time not just the, the school sort of focused on print journalism but I didn't really care too much about that I wanted to figure out how to better tell my stories and put them you know online where they could be read by more people and that kind of thing uh and so I that's that's sort of how I I approach like acquiring the skills that I needed to do that it's like okay I want to I want to make some video for the for the story and I want to put that on the web and like, what's the best way to do that? Like, so that the most people can see that. Um, and then I, uh, I graduated, um, and I got my master's degree in mass communication, which, um, through that, you know, was a very interesting time for our school. Um, there was a bit of like a changeover in philosophy from that sort of print oriented style of instruction to more, like, oh, we need to teach our kids how to use digital tools. And they didn't really have anybody on staff that knew anything, knew much about that. And so they were like, you know, you have a graduate degree now. Will you please stick around and like, uh, and, and, um, and develop curriculum for that. So we did, um, I, I taught an electronic communication class, like a mass common internet class, uh, and then a class for, uh, like juniors and seniors where we actually over the course of two or three semesters redid the school website which was in Joomla. <laughs> that <laughs> was that. Yeah. So um yeah, so that that sort of um is a weird it's it's not a straightforward path, you know, to to web development. It's sort of um and you mentioned like the the boot camps and things like that and um as alternative 
means to learn a lot of this stuff. And I, I think it's, I think those are fantastic. And, um, I'll say that any person who is go is considering going into a program like that should not do that with the expectation that at the end of the program, they're going to know everything there is to know about, you know, uh, web development. That's just absolutely not going to be the case. And you also shouldn't go into that experience with the expectation at the other end, you're going to be qualified to work at a Google or a Facebook or, or something like that. And I don't think you sh I don't think that should be your goal. Like also is another thing. I, I want to say that out loud. I, I know a lot of people go into these programs, um, to change careers, but I would I would also ask those folks if they really want a career change or if they just want to go further in the career that they already have because I think the skills that we learn as uh, web technologists apply in many cases no matter what your field is. Like if you are a lawyer, if you are, you know, a um, – uh, a retailer, if you, you know, whatever, like you can, you can take what you've learned in a boot camp or through, um, online, uh, education tools and, um, and, and just make yourself an even better, uh, vet or dog groomer or, you know, whatever it is that, that, that you are, you don't, you don't have to totally change your, your career. Um, you know, if, if you, want to learn web development or, or learning web development doesn't require that you totally change but, your career. But technology is so sexy and everybody's making money in it, isn't it? Isn't that the, the whole uh, <laughs> pitch that everybody gets? Um, but yeah, to your point, like I don't think it's it's black and white as that. And I, I actually think there's a lot of misadvertising about the technology industry that's out there today um, mm -hmm. in terms of, uh, you know, just learn programming and become a millionaire or, you know, build your own startup and it works overnight. I don't believe that's true at all. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I want to talk more about that, but first I have something on my mind. Was it Joomla or Mambo that you build that on? Because I remember... It was Joomla. It was okay. freaking Joomla. Because I remember there was, there was Mambo at the time, right? And then Joomla got yeah. forked and then there was a whole rival battle. I remember writing plugins for Mambo back in the day and it was uh, just, you're just giving me PTSD right now. I'm so uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was, it was Joomla. It was awful. Yeah. It was, it was awful. <sighs> Those days. Um, but that's interesting because like, again, like there's, there's inter interesting context in that because back in our day, you know, back in our day, <laughs> uh, right. those, those, those were the tools, right? Like you wanted to do web development, you would be using some sort of CMS and Joomla and Mambo and WordPress and others were the only option, right? Now there's a thousand and one options. Um, if you wanted to learn programming, there was, you know, HTML and CSS and some JavaScript and then jQuery came along and helped a lot with that. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Now there is, 20 different frameworks that you can pick from. At least those are the popular ones, not including the thousands that are just being built every other Thursday. Uh, yeah. Because why not? It's Thursday. Let's build a new framework. Um, um, so the, the 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 question there for me is, what's different between what you and I had to go and self-taught or self-learn and figure out on our own and today's world? And to your point about these these kind of coding programs and people can you know change careers through these kind of easily attainable um, programs. Uh, what's different between then and now in terms of the, you know, the industry perhaps, and also like the no the knowledge needed to acquire in order to be successful? Yeah, uh, there. I mean, there's a lot different. There's there's so much. Uh, there's so much has changed, and and a lot of times I think, wow, I'm really grateful that that I uh, came around the same uh, at the time that I did because I think it would almost be um, too uh, overwhelming to get involved now. And, and actually that's another reason why I, I care about doing what I'm doing. Cause I, I think that, um, y you know, I, I would love to be part of the solution that makes it a lot more accessible, makes learning web development and, and makes like understanding technology more accessible to more people because it's only getting more difficult. Just to your point, there's like, there's such a plurality of choice. Like, what do I do? Like, how do, why should I pick, you know, 
Ember over Angular or, you know, Batman JS or, which is still around, you know, like what, like what is, uh, what are the differences between these two and like what, what, what am I, um, what mistake am I making by picking one over the other? It's, it's terrifying, you know, to, to be faced with that much choice as a newcomer. And there's not always like a, a great, um, story or narrative about like, here's how you decide and here's why and here's some of the things that you should be considering because even to get to that point there's a lot of knowledge that is assumed that you have um so um one of the the big differences is you know uh, is the number of of technologies that have proliferated um and you know another big difference is we've we've come a long way in um our efforts to like standardize technology. Um, and I think some, somebody was asking me like, well, like what's, what's important about, you know, standards or why standards. Um, and I think one of the things that they, that a web standard does is kind of help people understand that this is like the, the common denominator across all of these different, uh, frameworks and, uh, libraries and that sort of thing. Um, you know, the, the, the standard provides sort of the, the reference for this piece is universal. Um, and that, which is awesome. And I think that's super important. Um, but the standard is also getting more and more complex. So, you know, when you look back at, um, like the first versions of, you know, HTML and CSS and JavaScript, they are like really simple. And today we're like, oh my gosh, there's no, like, where, where are the features of this freaking thing? But then it was such a, a big deal. Like that was like, wow, you know, um, and so that that's another that's another big um, a big a big shift like our, the, the complexity and the tooling complexity as well is completely different nowadays. Like for you to be able to just put a hello world on a website, mm -hmm. you know, to do it the modern way, yeah, because <laughs> you can yeah. still do it the simple way, but to do it the modern way, you need to know about so many different tools and learn them and understand what they do. Yeah. Um, and another theme I've noticed is a lot of people in the industry don't necessarily spend the time to learn these things or understand the context. Um, so like just as an antidote, like I always uh, quiz people when I interview them on things like, do you know what RFC 2616 is, uh, which is the HTTP standard that mm -hmm. nobody reads, uh, yeah. but yet it powers almost every single thing we do. Um, or, you know, typical topics like, you know, how does the, you know, JavaScript internals work or things like that. Not that everybody should know these things, but to your point, like they're getting more and more complex to the point of, um, they're not, they're not, uh, easily attainable knowledge that allow for people to become proficient at them. Um, so like, you know, on that topic, how do you, how do you personally keep up with all this change and all this knowledge <laughs> proliferation? And like, there's like, you know, uh, one of the audience members asked, like, there's so many frameworks, how do you even keep track? And those are just frameworks, never mind mm -hmm. the actual language itself, the evolution of the platforms, um, the the different tools out there. Um, how do you keep up? Like, wh when yeah. do you get the time to do it? What, what do you, what's your process like? Um, well, so the, like the 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 question assumes that I do, and the answer is I really don't, and and most people I know don't. Um, you know, the the. One of the things that I love about the web as a platform is that some group of people somewhere that I have never met or heard of in my whole entire life can be working on something really cool. And, you know, they can be testing that idea and iterating on it and making it better and going out and using it, getting feedback. And the, the, as, as that, as their tool grows and as it, their solution becomes smarter and the design becomes better, it, through the power of, you know, uh, the network effect, people are like, oh, that's great. I, I think I'll try that. And eventually it reaches somebody in my network or it reaches me. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's rather cool. That seems to solve a real problem. Like that's worth my time and attention. Or sometimes I'm like, uh, no, you know, so, um, and it, and it kind of, it works like that. Right. Uh, and eventually, what will happen is that, you know, if you take, um, um, what was like the first one, I guess right after jQuery, it was like, 
uh, the next big one was sort of Backbone, I think, was sort of the next yeah, big-ish yeah. one. Um, and you know, insert framework name here. Right, exactly. Well, it, we went through a bunch. Like, we hopped yeah. through a bunch. But, yeah. um, you know, eventually there gets to be this uh, this moment where enough people are like, this specific solution solves um, enough of my problems and is like uh, is co- common enough um, that this is what I want to start building my applications with for the next you know period of time, and then that becomes sort of like the de facto community standard where the like and and there for a while like backbone was and then suddenly very soon after that ember was and then uh, then angular angular and now react now we're on react so um it, it is sort of like the no one no react it, is old news we're now on to view and other things oh view and oh yes that's true that that's <laughs> right so um you know it, we get we get to this point where the the community as a whole says okay the these seem to be the the ideas that are represented in this framework seems to be the direction that the web should head and um you know eventually ideas that come out of of those frameworks may make it even into the language itself and you know we ha- we have that from like jquery there are features that, that were tried and tested and iterated and all of that sort of thing in in the jQuery library that eventually made it into the um, into the language uh, Maggie Pint uh, with the um, uh, moment js is working on bringing some of the features uh, for, of date time into the language from from moment um, and that is really cool that is really cool that is so cool to me yes. Um, it's a, it's a problem everybody faced, and and they always rely on Moment.js, and now coming into the platform is key. I think in that context, you, you you play a very unique role of being both a user and a contributor to the web platform in so many ways. So, what advice would you give people who are to, like overwhelmed by all these solutions and technologies, and 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 there's a lot of hype cycling happening in in our industry today in terms of. Oh, everybody needs to be using Docker. Everybody needs to be using React. Everybody needs to be using this. And then six months from now, everybody's different. It's like, oh, now you need to do serverless. Now you need to do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of hype in that. But like, you know, you have the right answer. It's like, you don't have to be up to date with everything. You don't have to follow everything. And you find a solution that you need or solves your problem and you stick with it until such a point that it doesn't. Um, but you also like to, you play this role of being a contributor and a user. And you have a little bit of that insight. Like, for example, Moment.js and the contribution happening around that. What would you give advice to people who are not necessarily having that insight or don't know the evolution of the platform or where it's going? Mm-hmm. How are they able to, um, you know, learn and solve the problems of today, but perhaps uh, feed into that 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 evolution of the platform in a meaningful way? You know, not everybody can be part of the uh, the technical committees, not everybody can be part of a working group, uh, but there is a feedback cycle, and and to my to my view, the feedback cycle starts at least from you know, what libraries you use and what, how do you build your applications and just, you know, being an active, active user of a certain framework indicates or at least is a leading indicator of, you know, what the right answer should be. And that's, I think, what folks like yourself look at in terms of, you know, those, those decisions and those conversations. Yeah, so um, I, I think on a high level that that sort of does describe the the feedback cycle. You know, if there if there's a mass of people who have flocked to you know TypeScript or Angular or Vue or whatever, then the folks who are um, tasked with specifying things um, really need to pay attention to what's going on there, and um, they. If they don't, they do so at their own peril, right? Because, um, you know, something that I I'm not sure folks necessarily get about the the uh, standards process um, is that there is nothing that compels anybody to implement the standard that that the specification that gets standardized. Like nobody is like you have to do it this way. Um, this is a group of people who are attempting to, uh, you know, 
identify what the what like best practice based on how people are using the tool now and how how the the web platform as a whole is evolving in the future we're we're trying to find that sort of sweet spot because you know what we're what we're doing is, is making incremental improvements to the the platform along the way through the standards process so um you know if if there is something that um you know that that we don't pay attention to because, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a group of people who feel like that's wrong. I mean, that, that is, uh, that's a quick way, I think, to, um, lose, uh, credibility and, and potentially undermine the, the whole process. So we, we're constantly looking at what people are using and why we need to hear from folks about the troubles they have with a certain feature um, in in their production workflow, because you know, ostensibly we're here to to make make it better. Um, and if we don't make it better, then people will jump ship to something else. Um, and that's and that would be, I think that would be bad. <laughs> um, uh, so. Um, that 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 is an important part of the of of feedback gathering on the part of the the um, technical committees um, and 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 I don't mean that just on the language side but also in like your open source um, like if if you are a there and there's there's a, there's a few openly stand there's a lot of openly standardized web technologies and then there's like a billion more uh, open source projects right there's a ton of open source projects if you are an open source maintainer and you are not taking a look at you know your your um, user base and saying okay like why you know what are what are people really finding the most value in and you know you're not ga- getting feedback that way then then you are definitely at a risk of seeing your your um, your project sort of decline and um, that's important so given your journey and given like the the you know the story of where you started and where you are today and what you're doing do you think that's something everybody should be doing do you think that's something people should you know always be looking at those contribution models or or being part of a work, working group or you know even going out of their way and and thinking about beyond their job what do they do or you know is there a pattern or is there a path for people just to learn technology and just build work and you know not not be involved in the community or i don't know i think there's a balance but i just want to hear your opinion about it and whether or not you think your journey is something people should follow or or at least uh, repeat so so there's a way to do it um but uh i think probably the more important thing first than just getting involved with the technical committee or or you know subscribing you know and watching every repo on github um is to understand how that how that group is uh Com- um, composed like who's who is in that group why are they in that group like what companies might they represent uh, what does the objective of the group seem to be is there you know uh, does it seem heavily leaning toward you know enterprise in which case if you're building applications for the enterprise and that's probably a good group for you to follow if not then maybe it's maybe it's not um, but pay pay attention to that pay attention to how and how they make decisions and how obvious it is that they make decisions is the is the um, governance and decision making process transparent to you um, those are the kinds of things that I think ultimately give you better insight into the future of the technology than anything else because um, you know uh, it the, the people aren't necessarily like the like people are people they're gonna uh, and I think you I think understanding how they make decisions um and you know what what motivates that that group is probably more insightful to you than um than about how how long it will be around I guess that's not a particularly eloquent answer but no I I think I think you you nailed it like at, at the end of the day there's there's a level of understanding and and you know 
appreciation of your craft that you need to be aware of but that doesn't mean necessarily that everybody should be going out and directly being involved or they don't have to at least uh, but mm-hmm. it's great that we have people like yourself who are and, and are driving the evolution of our platform and our, and our technology um, I think another lens to that is and I want to hear your opinion about this is you know and this is something I've noticed as well like I before I went out and started speaking at conferences and doing open source stuff I used to look at uh, you know, some personalities and individuals in the industry. And I saw, oh, that's what success looked like, right? Like you you start as a junior developer, become an intermediate, become a senior, maybe you'll become an architect one day, those kind of things. And then, you know, obviously the next step is you're going to be going out and uh, speaking at conferences and, and building frameworks and, and doing those kind of things. Um, but then I, I did that and I realized that that's A, hard, uh, and B, um you know, like we said from the start, like you do that on your own time. This is not necessarily um, something you're paid to do, or at least unless you work for certain companies, you know, we don't have to mention them, but like certain companies who actually do sponsor their individuals to be involved and active in those kind of things. Um, you're, you're, you're doing that. You're doing this because you care and you're doing it because you're passionate about it. Right. So that's not, I, I, f- I feel that there's a disassociation there between career growth for a software developer or an engineer in software industry versus, um, you know, uh, people who are either on a, on a stage on a, in a conference talking about something or building a framework and, do, and, and sharing that with the community, because I think those are not necessarily the same career path or at least have two different motivations behind them. I don't know if you have any advice on that for, you know, people who are just getting into the industry today or looking at, at, at you know, the technologies that we're all working on and the people behind them. Uh, is there a good message that you can share back to those folks and where to focus their attention to? That is a good question. Um, you know, I, I think the first thing to, if, if you're the, if you're, starting out and you're going, okay, gosh, you know, where do I maybe want to take my career? Um, is it's not to look at, okay, do I want, um, it's probably just to, to analyze what are your own personal strengths and motivations? Like what, what do you really feel like you're really good at? Um, for me, it's, it's actually, I, I feel like I'm really good at asking questions and, you know, analyzing and, and sort of um, hopefully writing cogent uh, assessments of, of, of whatever question I'm asking. Like, that, like I, I kind of approach it with that, my career with that point of view. Um, and then what motivates you to do that? And, and for me, it's just this, like, I'm just, I've always been a very curious person. And so, um, you know, anything that I am doing that, um, scratches that sort of itch to, to, because it's fun to know stuff. That's my, like one of my favorite things to say. It's, well, it's just fun to know stuff. Um, if I feel like I'm learning something and I, if I feel like I'm, um, able to, uh, scratch that, that curiosity itch and learn and, and hopefully provide great information for other people. Um, then I, I feel really good about what I'm doing. Um, if I were, if I were doing something else that didn't involve that stuff, I would be miserable. You know, I would be very unhappy. Um, and, uh, so, so in thinking about it that way, um, doing the, doing things uh in the public like going to conference talks and all that sort of stuff i'm actually really comfortable being more behind the scenes i don't like to be on the stage i really don't um it's not exactly a, a this is as i was saying to you earlier this is a little quasi uncomfortable for me but i'm i'm like leaning into it all the way um it's just not a, it's not where where i i want to be but i also want to be in a place where i can help other people like that's, that's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, Hey, I was really nosy about this particular set of things over here and I learned X, Y, and Z. And I think it's really important. So I guess I need to stand on stage right now and tell you all about it because I think it does make a difference. And I think it impacts what you, uh, your, your work. So that is why I do that. And if I, what, if it weren't for that, then I would definitely not be, you know, going to speak at conferences or anything. So, um, uh, so if you're thinking about like, yo, do what, what do I want to, um, what do I want to be when I grow up? I, I would caution you from saying, I want to be a conference speaker because that's not rewarding in and of itself. Like that's actually, 
kind of lame. Like that's, I'm sorry. Um, it's just, it, it, it's, that's not going to get you, um, I think to a place where you feel personally fulfilled because I think personal fulfillment comes from feeling like you have something of substance to offer other people and, and, and just sort of the act of giving a talk on stage in and of itself is kind of empty. So, um, you know, I, I would say, you know, um, I would say to a person to, to, Hey, look, look for, look at that. Look, look, look within first, you know, and, and then, um, determine what is the best expression of that without, if that makes sense. Actually, a lot of the folks I've talked to who are, uh, you know, on the conference circuit, if that's a thing, uh, echo exactly the same thing. It's like, well, yeah, we, we hate being on a stage. We hate actually having to travel and doing that. But the core reason that everybody is doing that is, like you said, there's either some value of contributing something back or helping other people, or there's a real kind of value behind driving your action, whether it's speaking at a conference or doing something else, which is again, like you said, like you, 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 you mentioned that you, you started in journalism and you were interested in, in storytelling. And this is how you got into the tech industry and, and technology. And, and you continue doing the work you're doing in the tech industry because of those core motivations that you have. Um, so I think, yeah, the key message there for, for the audience is definitely, you know, what is it you want to do um, and how can technology help you get there? Because I don't think technology is ever the answer for any yeah. of those things. I, I, it's, it's, it's really not. And, you know, I've been reading a lot of things lately that are pretty critical of the, um, of the con- computer science sort of, uh, dogma and um, of uh, just sort of the direction that tech is, has really uh, taken toward um, like a hard line toward some capitalist sort of, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, I'm more than a little, I'm actually a hippie socialist and I just feel like I should tell everybody that. Um, and it doesn't, it, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable but to be part of, um, to be part of this system, um, and to also have such harsh critiques of it. So there's, I'm right now in, in my uh, life, that's a thing that I'm trying to, uh, grapple with a little bit. And I think probably a lot of us are quite asking hard questions, um, about our industry. I would like to, uh, and, and right now I'm in in a place where I, I want to be part of, um, shifting, this system toward one that is um, socially more just uh, and will, I don't know what that means exactly, but I'm, I'm working on it, <laughs> like personally working on it. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think there's, there's, and it also plays to the, you know, detriment sometimes of, of attracting the right people to to this industry and and to the work that we do right like uh, i got into programming because i enjoy programming and i enjoy creating solutions for other people to use and then and seeing that value being driven back i didn't get into it to you know sell phones or uh sell mm-hmm. products or do those kind of things right like i mean i work for a telecom company the, the 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 joke at the end of the day is like oh yeah we just sell phones and cell phone plans uh, but there's so much complexity in actually doing that and there's so many humans involved and, and getting to the point of you selling a product as part of the business that you're in, um, that there's definitely um, value that you're creating as being in the technology space and that's in that ecosystem. Uh, but yeah, to your point, it does, you know, if you want to attract more of the right kind of mindset and more of the right people, uh, all people see nowadays from our industry is the, you know, the Silicon Valley TV show examples of startup culture or the enterprise IT big corporate culture that's also equally negative or at least not mm-hmm. not something attractive to people um yeah but then there are companies like buku out there that are you know uh, friendly and open and are actually sharing focused on sharing and focus on on value creation so uh there there is definitely a balance i just don't know if it's covered by the media let's say as much or at least if made visible to the um collective yeah. audience and and I I think that's actually um, so that's another thing that I so another thing is that I, I worry all the time about like the future of our of our industry I'm like a, I'm a worrier so um, what and one of the one of the things that I worry about is the fact that like the more um, not um, uh, not necessarily like totally business minded we're 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 business minded but we also want to do things that have a a a benefit for everybody and that that sort of like moderate um kind of 
philosophy of open source, of open standards, of of um, technology production, I I feel like that gets um, consumed by some of the more like corporate uh, philosophies of of production, uh, and then you know on the other side, you know you have that sort of startup bro ish kind of story that gets um gets promulgated a lot boku is is an interesting um place because um one of the one of the reasons why we are able to do what we do um the way we do it is because our business model is consulting services um and i wonder sometimes which is a has different motivation it has a different you know um uh incentive kind of model. So I, I wonder if that would change very much um, if Boku were a product company. I'd like to think no, but I've also seen a lot of excellent product companies sort of just get completely um, just destroyed. Um, the companies that, that have like the, these great ideals that, that we share, but they're, they're, they're struggling. Um, uh, and, and they're struggling with it, this, the whole Redis Labs thing um, is a great example of of this. They're struggling to figure out how to how to stay operable, stay competitive, um, you know, in this in today's landscape. And so yeah. that's um, yeah. For those listening, if you're not familiar with the Redis Lab thing, there's a big kind of topic being discussed right now where Redis was an open source product, and and Redis Labs is the company behind it. And now there's a whole debate about. They're changing their licensing model to this common source thing. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, but to your point, like there's different motivations for building and selling products than it is to solve problems and, and help others. Uh, but equally, I've seen service companies that are you know also stuck in a certain uh, yeah. kind of corporate mandates and, and not necessarily in a productive way to be. And, and again, this is the whole point of this conversation is that people out there looking at our tech industry and looking at examples, they're either going to look at individuals like yourself, we're going to set a good example for others to look at and learn from, or is going to look at, you know, the bad examples of the corporate greed that we potentially all see every day. Um, and, the, you know, we want to attract the right, you know, talent, or at least at, uh, be inclusive in the way we tell the stories around technology so that people actually create that value chain. Um, I'm also convinced now that that's a separate topic that we should spend at least three hours talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm just holding back. There's so many things I can I can jump on there and, and talk about. Uh, but yeah, we should probably do a whole separate episode just on that. <laughs> um, well, Jory, I mean, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, this has been super insightful, at least for me. Um, is there anything you want to plug or throw out there for the audience to look at or or follow? Maybe follow you on Twitter. Any any kind of projects you're working on? You want to plug? Sure. So hmm, I get to plug something. I actually didn't think of anything to plug before. Uh, so, um, well, first off, I, I will just say if you uh, are listening and you want, um, you need a friend to bounce some ideas off of, or you're not sure um, what you want to do with your career, like I am very happy to, um, to, to talk something through with you. So I'm at jory.com on Twitter and, uh, you know, I'm happy to be uh, your friend. So, um, if you, if you need, if you want to talk about anything that, uh, like that, I'm, I'm, I'm here for you, pal. Uh, uh, plugging wise, let's see, I think I should plug, um, two things actually. One is, um, TC53, uh, which is doing its very first, we're doing our very first, um, in-person plenary. So if you, uh, and TC53 is a technical committee focused on, um, smart, uh, wearable systems and sensor-based devices. So if you're interested basically in, uh, JS on things, Come, come, uh, come! Talk to us because we're we're spinning up a technical committee within ECMA to explore a JS application um, platform for for IoT, uh, and we're going to do our first in-person meeting in Boston, October fifteenth and sixteenth. So come hang with us. Uh, the second thing I will plug is web platform tests because I just spent a delightful weekend at DevConf telling people all about web platform tests. Um, it's it's I, I probably don't have enough time to tell you how awesome it is, but um, 
it is a group of people really focused on solving um, problems of interoperability in our implementations of uh, the varying uh, web platform standards. It's really, really cool. Um, and we are looking for folks who um, really like testing and uh, who want to, you know, help us improve the test suite because it's something that all of um, all of browsers will eventually be able to uh, consume upstream tests, downstream them out to everybody. Uh, and that's, you know, uh, so it's really it's it's a pretty cool pretty cool project. Yeah. So those are those are two great places to get started. And um, of course, if you have any questions or if I can help you with anything, um, my name is Jory, and I'm here to help. Perfect. Again, thank you, Jory, so much. This has been delightful. Um, and we I will follow up with you on making another episode just to talk about the industry and where we're going. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. It's been so much fun. All right. Thank you. All right, bye.